This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hartstar. <laughs> That's Karen Kilgareth. I was going to call it a maxi sode, but I think we've gone into that whole joke. Yeah. But it's one too many, one too many times. I mean, we're going to have to start recycling our hilarious jokes because <laughs> what else? Because there's need? only 12. That's right. And there's only and three of them are period jokes. So Listen, if you want this to go 10 years, you're going to have to hear some of the same jokes. Hold on. Who wants it to go 10 years? <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. What are we doing? Six and three quarters or so? <laughs> a hard. Really interesting right now. Say how many years you think it's going to go. Shit. Two. Fifteen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Somewhere in between two and fifteen, then. Mm-hmm. Is that the queen on Thir- your mug? Okay, great. Thirteen, that's perfect. Is there is the queen on your mug? Is that what? The queen? Oh, no. Okay. No, this is one of... Um, <laughs> this is a thing that I've always thought was hilarious. It's a line of cards by someone named Ann Tainter. I don't know if that's a real person or not. Yeah. But it's like, she says... Uh, it's a 50s picture and it's like, you can lead a horse to water, but I need a triple espresso. Right. It's very much like office humor. I love those. It's like an old timey lady with a like, I'm going to kill your husband kind of yes. thing. Yeah. I, I found a card from my mom and it said, um, it's a lady that's like, looks like she's from the 40s. And uh-huh. It looks like it was taken from a cigarette ad. Uh-huh. And then it's this typewritten thing over it that says, maybe I want to look cheap. <laughs> my mom. Can I so just say <laughs> that's the last thing that I would think that you would be into? Like, I would, I don't know why. I don't know why I find it delightful. And oftentimes, well, this line, especially this one's a little, um, muted. Usually it's more, the comedy is more along those lines. Yeah. And it just always makes me laugh. There's like magnets. Yeah. You find them really in those funny. like, in like Madison on like the main dragon, those like, those like hipster kind of alternative stores that have tons of gifts and socks and yes, like uh, prayer candles, but with like share on it or whatever. Exactly. And like these are like, you like retro stuff, yeah. but you also like a sharp sense of humor. That's it's right. that thing. And I had this friend that I used to work with, Karen Anderson. And finally one day she goes, you love that, don't you? And I was just like, what do you mean? Every time it was her birthday, anything, I always got her that card. I was always giving her yeah. those magnets. And she's just like, yeah, you're really, you're really into this. And I'd never noticed before that it was just this wow. weird kind of go-to thing that I have. I, I, that makes my life so much easier as far as giving gifts to you because I would never have gotten you one of those because I'd be like, she thinks this is cheesy, but I've seen you with like a couple different versions of it thinking like someone must have given it to you and you just kept it. But well, that's they good do, to know. but like, it's like when someone gives me something, I always try to like look at it like, what are they trying to, you know, mm. it's almost like a person going, this is what you seem like to me. Oh, yeah. And so you, you can't really deny it. In fact, I'm pretty sure a listener gave me this mug. I'm pretty sure. I've seen them for sure backstage at, at live shows. Someone has given you like a makeup bag that says that on it or something. <laughs> Maybe I want to look cheap. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's funny. I'm a, I love I'm that. A I love that. That is so true about gift giving. Where it's like someone saw a thing and thought of you, whether it made them think She'll she'll laugh at this, or she'll cry at this, or it's like when so when you get a black cat, and then for the rest of your life, 
your family gives you black cat stuff. For example, yep. my sister is she yes. only gets black cat stuff now. <laughs> Most driver insane. Yeah. No, I think she's like still after into a while. It. Is she really? Oh, good. I, she's never been because mean enough to tell me. Not. My mom got into chickens and four <laughs> years in, she was like, if I ever fucking see a chicken again, I'm gonna lose my mind. My so mom, it's, penguins. She, we, that's all we got her is penguin shit. You say you like one animal and that's the fucking yes. rest of your life. You're done for. Also, because then I think people have like a natural, like, oh, it's fun to get a person a thing if you see the thing they love. Yeah. Like, this will make them happy. Yeah. That's a nice idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're over there with your penguins surrounding you. <laughs> Going, I other, I like other things as well. You're up to your fucking beak and penguin shit at that point. <laughs> I've seen that movie. I know. Yes. <laughs> the goddamn figurines are everywhere. <laughs> They're all over the place. Uh, what's up? How are we? How are what we? What do people give you as gifts? Um, let's see. Vince gets like, Vince is really good at it. It's annoying. Uh, what does he get me? Is like, he the kind of person that listens to stuff you say six months before <sighs> Christmas or the holidays and then writes it down and then you're getting it as a gift? Yes. Do you yeah. know how stressful that is as a person who's kind of bad at gifts? And I can't keep a... I, I gave him a gift today. <laughs> okay. I got something. I For Hanukkah? <laughs> for Christmas. I mean, he celebrates <laughs> Christmas, but I was like, you need this today instead of in two weeks. So, you know, he... um We've gotten to, like to this place in the quarantine where it's like no one's going to be in our house for a while. So let's just be comfortable. So we took out the like, um, you know, mid-century modern West Elm, like beautiful chair. And he got a straight up lazy boy. Yes. Like, like called the company and was like, give me a lazy boy. So, yes. which is like kind of killed me a little inside as someone who's very like stylistic, you know, how I, everything in my a house snob? is. Yes. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly right. There's a reason. Like when he moved in, when he moved in with me, partly I'm sure had to do with the fact that he had moved to LA with no possessions at all. So yeah. I was like, sure, you can fit in my house with all my things, but like, sure. you're not bringing oh. your like your like college fucking coffee table or whatever. Yeah, that one IKEA bookshelf that everyone's had that's either white, black, or fake wood. Right. Color, that I have to be like, like, no, it fits right in. Um, <laughs> so now but I'm a lazy boy. I feel like they now understand that people want the comfort and the style yeah. and they've updated their shit. This isn't one of those. Okay. <laughs> yes, they do have some good ones. <laughs> but Not you know, he wanted it like, you know, his, he and his dad used to have them and it reminds me of his dad. And so yep. it's like special. Um, and also Kristen Bell does ads for them. <laughs> the actress. So I'm like, well, if she oh, okay. has the actress, if she says it's okay, then I'm okay with it. Yeah. So we got him that and now I'm just like getting him Christmas accessories for the like lazy boy to like build off of it. Sure. <laughs> you need a little side table. Yep. Where you can put his beer. Yeah. And like a little sure. pouch where you can like put his computer and his like joints. And there's a TV guide <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he can reach guide. into. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it a, really that's is me. that. I mean, that really is if you are into Retro stuff, and that is very retro. That is like 1975, in my opinion. No, you're totally right. Wait, is it a Nagahide, like a brown Nagahide chair that reclines? No, it's like, it's one of those. I don't know what Nagahide is. Uh, Fake leather? No, it's like corduroy. It's like blue corduroy, like straight up. And it's so. And is that the one he had at his dad's house? it, It must be, yeah. And it's like 
it's puffy. It's like the bottom line. Like he didn't want a fancy one. He wanted like the cheapest kind. <laughs> it's so loud when he has to like, you know, the leg thing. And yeah, then part of it. put the leg down. It's like, clunk, clunk, like scares yes. the cats. Yep. That's the declaration. You're either going back for the evening yeah. or you're coming down to go do something. But now he's never on the couch with me. So like sometimes I have to be like, can you just come sit next to me? We don't, I haven't touched in like three days. And he's like, uh, I will in a half an hour. <laughs> right. I just need to keep my legs up. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I definitely use it when he's not around. Yeah, they they really I feel like the lazy boys. It's a uh, it's an American um Hero. tradition for a reason. Yes. We had a green Nagahide one which is, you know, just green fake leather, yeah. olive green fake leather that we used to fight over and then when my mom got home it was like everyone had to clear the area cuz nice. it was that was her that was her spot. That's awesome that everyone was like no one tries to take it from mom. She's a fucking nurse first of all. Oh yeah. And she's been on yeah. her feet all day. And she'll fucking she'll freeze you with her eyes. So you <laughs> you had you you just have already learned your lesson about that. But yeah. I love that. That's fun. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. That's it. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks nice for to listening talk. to our podcast. Goodbye. We'll see you in thirteen years. <laughs> <laughs> when we do our last episode. <laughs> what if we took a thirteen year hiatus? Hey. Hey. How many quilts do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you got? What are you doing? Watching? Well, loving. Le- oh, well, we have to talk about the final episode of Murder on Middle Beach. We is absolutely- it Murder in Middle Beach or on Myrtle- I think Middle it's Beach? On. We should Why, look- though? Uh, There's no beach involved in that TV show. In Middle and Beach? And the name of the town is Madison. Murder. Which is also his name. It's on, Stephen. Murder yeah, on Middle Beach. Well, Middle Beach yeah. must be the little neighborhood. So okay. it'd still be in. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Let's, I don't know what they're doing, but let's call him. And be like, what a final, what a final episode. What a final episode. <laughs> you and I were texting beforehand and we're like, you said, you thought it was this person. I thought it was this person. You yep. said, how about a friendly $5,000 wager? <laughs> <laughs> Which I was joking about, by the way. I know you were. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, you know, we share all our money, right? Which was so funny because it wouldn't have mattered. Basically, I could just move, yeah, move yeah. some money from this side of the bank account over to that side. Exactly. But I felt very strongly about who my pick was. And then, of course, and I might as well say it because I'm sure I, I think I said something about it last week, which. Well, so we don't I know. Like who I, the, we actually don't know who the killer is. Which is how I got out of paying Georgia $5,000. Paying I yourself said, $5,000. <laughs> well, when the charges are brought, I will send you a check. But So, spoiler alert here, so we can actually talk about it. Oh, yeah. Spoiler, spoiler. Definitely go watch this if you haven't, because now all four episodes are yeah. up. So, you can HBO, binge it. And, yeah. and it is really good documentary filmmaking and fascinating. And it goes on. He made this thing for 10 years. And it's his family. It's like, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. It kills me. The dad stuff is so... So hard to watch. The every part yeah, is hard yeah. to no, watch. No, okay, you're right. Yeah, that's in a, in a in a show of hard parts for me. The dad part yes. is the hardest. Well, because now it, there you're. It feels like you're dealing with someone who is d- very different than your average dad. Yeah, and doing things that and you, you want to. Yeah, I want to stick up for him, and he can't do it because it's his dad, and he still wants a relationship. But I want to be in the backseat of that car out front and be like, "What are you fucking talking about?" It's just that right. it's the thing you realize where if you when you love someone, it's impossible to understand their motive because it might crush you. You know what I mean? Very true. And also the 
he was pulling some things while talking about his side, which was all the son was asking for, mm-hmm. was just explain to me how things ended up like this. And in doing so, he begins to completely shit on the mother and who she was as a person, which I was like, this is not a good look for you. And it is not making me think you're any less guilty or uh, it's not making you think you're a good no, person. That's for sure. No. And imagine he's not guilty and he's still just berating this child's your child's dead mother yeah like who do you think you are i think that's what it really triggered in me is that this father clearly has no understanding of how anything he does or anything he says affects his own kid who yeah has pure intentions like you are dad you are a piece of shit whether or not you killed the kid because you're kind of an asshole but your kid is pure at heart and has good intentions and lost his mommy. And you're such an asshole, you know, and it's the coldness is shocking. And it's a kind of thing where I'm uh, coming from people who are not entirely uh, like forthcoming mm-hmm. or feelings oriented, warm kind of it. It's like to a degree, but it just isn't acceptable. It isn't acceptable for uh, somebody to do that to the memory of, yeah. It, it it was just like a shocking moment and you see him anyway this is so much spoiler but it's a, it's really, a personality disorder that that man has for sure and and clearly yeah because you because the proof is in the paperwork that they find and yeah well, but i what? really thought it was the sister yeah and the sister showed all these signs that i was just like ugh, ooh, uh, uh, and then i was just like kind of building the story mm-hmm. around what i was looking at and also based on what other people in the yeah. show were saying. Yeah. And it was just an it's so great to watch one of those things that make makes you go, I'm positive this is it. Oh my God, I was entirely wrong. Totally. This that's kind of what I think a lot of true crime is about. Yeah. She's actually a you, lovely person that your heart goes out to because she's just doing her best with what she was given, just like him. With massive trauma. Massive. She was there. Yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, she saw her mom's dead body. Like, it's unbelievable. How do you get past yeah, that, but move to fucking Argentina or whatever and like join a family that hopefully seems pretty together? And you're like, right. My heart is warm for her that she has this welcoming family now. This, and that she did the things like when she finally gets to say her side of it, it makes so much sense and it's really healthy of like, I went to get the life I wanted and I know that's what mom would want for yeah. me. I was blown out at that turn. It was real. But also that's the filmmaking part yes, is they lead you down these paths. They yeah. lead you into that kind of like, oh, I know who it is. And then those turns are just like such good lessons. Well, officially you know? what I think happened, and this is giving that father a lot of letting him off the hook in a way I don't totally want to, but I think that maybe it was some of his shady associates that, sent him a, a message or took collateral went and claimed their collateral. So I don't totally think that it was him who attacked her, but it was because like, I, it would make sense to me that because of him, these things happen. And that's why he won't discuss his shady doings because he's putting his son at risk too, perhaps, or he's still, it's, he's still responsible for it. It's still, you know, he could still be tried and everything. So, right. Well, but then also the the thing that is so fascinating about this 
whole story is that that's still just one piece of the pie because we're it's like it could be the ladies from the tables it could be no. people she it absolutely she was starting to bring in like yeah. ex addicts and yeah. people who didn't have the money it could be a, so, a spouse of one of the people who she kind of not scam but whose money she took and it was their entire life savings and that spouse got upset and killed her easily uh, i mean but who knows i don't think so but yes <sighs> I, when, I, please let there be a season two as quickly as possible yeah. i need to see that paperwork we need to get into <laughs> yeah. it's just like oh my god anyway anyway this is all anyway. speculation by the way allegedly 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 and also spoilers rama yeah like but they spoilers stayed. left right and center these people stayed for the spoilers spoilers are these over. people stayed because they watched it so they want to be they want to hear the discussion that's right <laughs> cool <laughs> that's right that's exactly right boom now i went to the other end of the spectrum mm -hmm. and once i was finished with that show i started watching murder on the bayou have you it's older have you watched that at showtime no oh what's that about? it is it is a story about a town in louisiana a small town where women who in the local press, they kept being referred to as women with high-risk lifestyles uh -huh. um, start showing up dead. Oh. And it is one of the most heart-wrenching mm. things to watch. It's a, it, it really is about the this line between poverty and not poverty in America. It's about drug use and the way people get eaten up and and the value of human life based on how much money you have in the bank yeah, or, or not. the things, the decisions you've made that have led you down a path that you, yeah, I mean, that you don't, there's no out. I mean, it's yeah. really, it's a very, it was a very kind of, I didn't do it on purpose as somebody had recommended it to mm -hmm. me and I started watching it and just went, wow, this is like, this is the story that you should definitely watch after a uh, murder in Middle Beach because it's like, okay, that's the story we always get in true crime mm -hmm. about can you believe this beautiful, rich, blonde mom was murdered in the middle of the day? And then you switch over to this other show where it's like, I've never even heard yeah. of this story of, I think it ended up being seven or eight women, Jesus. the bodies being found all over this town over a very, it was like a couple year period, but it's shocking. And it's, um, yeah, it was, it's. I'm still in the middle of it, so well, I'm, I'm not sure where we're going. But man, is it like disturbing and and uh, and st you know stuff needs to get done. I think a thing to always remember about stuff like that, like especially for people listening who who like our show, is to, when you see stuff like that and you say to yourself, "Well, they were they were living a risky lifestyle, or they you know were asking for it somehow by doing it. Why would anyone do those things?" Is that both you and I lived very risky lifestyles, and you know I was a drug addict, you're an alcoholic. It's it, I it, by the fucking grace of God, am I was I not deeper in it than than i was well know? and there's a really great reporter in this tv show that is talking about how that phrase got used and how unacceptable that phrase is that that basically it was a phrase that was being reported on because the sheriff used the phrase right. and it was essentially telling the town you don't have to care about these women. Don't worry. Right. It's not like they, it was a way of them basically saying uh, they not not causing a panic by saying they 
by implying they brought it on themselves. And it's so crazy to think of like you, you when you hear that phrase, you think of like, OK, they must have been on the streets and like a total, you know, meth head or whatever. When really it's like we've all fucking done a little coke at a party and gone to a second party and there was coke oh, yeah. there. And as, if you if that that is a per- that's a person they would label someone uh, who's putting themselves at risk when really the amount of people who do those little things and get away with it so they don't think of themselves as at risk is most of us, you know, sure, at least the fun ones. And, uh, and in a town like that, you start doing something like meth where you're addicted the first, second, third time you do yeah. it. Then you're in a lifestyle that it doesn't really matter what your life was before that yeah. because you just need then you're just kind of in it and it's just a fascinating it's such an interesting fascinating um story that should really needs to be told and is told beautifully it's shot beautifully Mm. it's just it's and the people it's just fascinating murder on the bayou yeah it's been up for a while it's i've heard of it before yeah but i just assumed it was like one of those you know the how the id channel sometimes does it yeah it's like murder in the south murder murder in a red bra or whatever yeah so i just i think i thought that's what it was Mm -hmm. and then yeah and then someone said no no it's you should watch it it's great i have a couple podcasts i'm listening to and a book i'm listening to that is definitely like i'm gonna decide to bake bread now because i just want to listen to this book kind of a okay. thing. Is this going along with more of your cottage court stuff that you've decided <laughs> no. to get into? No, I've given up on that. But now I'm following this new So wait, what's going on? Did you order bees? Where? How far along are the bees? I haven't ordered <laughs> bees uh, but I'm following a, la- a bee lady that I am obsessed with. So many people tag me in her shit because she's just incredible. <laughs> you sent it to me. Georgia sent it to me. It's a lady cupping handfuls of bees to get them out and I just wrote back you've lost it <laughs> i was sending you to be like see it's not just me and karen was like you're out of your fucking mind <laughs> you've lost it i don't know what this is this woman is called her the instagram is texas bee works her name is erica thompson she's a beekeeper and she does be- really beautiful like a asmr style you know stories about her going to save all these bees and how and what she does and it's so fascinating and she's so cool like i want to get a non-alcoholic beer with her if we're ever in texas again <laughs> um she's amazing so texas bee works i'm digging awesome and it's important i make jokes i'm teasing know, georgia because it's fun but it is important because we can't lose the bees that's so right. anyone that's doing that work it is crucial yeah. and it and i know that but it won't be Full me. respect don't worry um no this the other stuff doesn't have to do with my cottage core but um okay. I'm, I'm listening to a book it's <laughs> little house on the prairie little house on the prairie <laughs> it's how to knit and sew your own bonnet <laughs> by uh, Amelia Bedelia Oh cool great Remember Amelia Bedelia <laughs> Okay sure do this is made she didn't know what the fuck she, she was, was doing. out of her GD mind that lady, that lady couldn't clean for shit but she made a bigger mess she that was, was the great part it was nuts. <laughs> um, this book's by Britt Bennett, and it's called The Vanishing Half. It's so good. It's like, you know, the generational stories of each person in that family and what happened to them and how they got there. But essentially, it's twin. The story revolves around twin sisters, and one of them vanishes. And the, like, search for her, but the, like, the twin who stayed, like, her daughter and her husband and what happens to her life. And the daughter goes to LA and becomes a track star. Like, it's just, 
but it's like heartfelt and beautiful and really well written. And I'm, it's just great. Awesome. And then I have two podcasts I'm listening to. Uh, you know how I love like sleeping podcasts that help you go to sleep at night, like sleep with yeah. me. Um, mm-hmm. There's one that I've been listening to called Nothing Much Happens. It's hosted by um, Catherine Nicol- Nicolai and she has this beautiful, soothing voice and she writes a story that's like straight up. Um, it's almost like a fairy tale that she writes this beautiful little story where nothing much happens, but they're still like <laughs> lovely so that if you want to, they're almost cottage core stories, actually, where she lives in a cabin. It's snow. If I'm being honest, <laughs> this is cottage core. She finds a kitten and invites the kitten into her house and, and missed her cat Covers that she it used in bees. to have and bee. Maybe she'll do one with bees. And she tells the story twice. Once, you know, a 15 minute story that she wrote and then tells it again slower and you're I'm out within five minutes. But the stories wow. are beautiful. So even if you can't fall asleep, you're listening. So oh, that's, that's great. Nothing much happens. Nothing much happens. That's such a good idea. That's that's like um, Rosemary and Time, even though their murders do happen. And it's right. crazy because they're groundskeepers, essentially. And yeah. yet everywhere they go, someone gets killed. But it's the same feel of British rhythmic speaking mm-hmm. and kind of low key. There, no one yells. There's no gunshots. Right. It's and you just can picture like, yourself in the cabin with the fu- they're like cozy stories, you know. That's great. It's great. very smart. Um, and then the other one is: Have you heard of terrible? Thanks for asking. No. Yeah. I so my friend Melissa Boyle uh, texts me this link to it, and I've seen I've seen it on iTunes a million times, but she sent me specifically a link to like they she did a it's um her name is Nora uh, McInerney, and she did a three part story about like childhood trauma. Which mm-hmm. is such a huge epidemic now, they're saying. So that was really good. But then I was looking at other episodes and it's just a really like, it's a cool podcast where like, you know, when you ask someone, how is, how is everything? And they're like, fine. Well, these are all interviews with people where shit was not fine, you know? And yeah. it's like really, it's, it's, it's like a higher level smart people produced podcast, you know? And, uh, it's really cool. It's really good. That's cool. So that's terrible. Well, Thanks for asking. Um, terrible. Thanks for asking. That's good. I should write that down. Yeah. You'd like um, it. You'd like I, it a lot. I, um, yeah. Cause I, there, there's, that's what I love. I, yeah. I really love people telling a story. That's what I love about, um, this is actually happening is people who are past the trauma point that can go back and say, here's, listen to this. Here's what happened here's to what me. Happened to me. It's, yeah. it's so, I love that. This is so I found this podcast because people were posting, like, say, their top five podcasts and showing them to us yeah. as like, hey, you are on my list, which is lovely. And thank you, everybody, for doing that. Um, but on many of the lists, there was a podcast called Let's Not Meet. Okay. Have you heard of this? No. Podcast? Okay, the host's name is Andrew Tate, and he basically reads. Sometimes they're from Reddit threads. Sometimes people email them in. But essentially, it's. A horrible moment, a scary moment, a creepy moment from someone's life. And so at the end, it's like, so guy from the water park, let's not meet. And it's this, it is so good. And, and when it, when I first started it, I was like, oh, it's not the people telling the stories themselves. So I don't know if I like that. It's like narrated. Three episodes later, I was just like, I, I have been binging it for like three days. Like what kind of stories? Like just. Oh, it's like, it's basically red flag bonanza. Like so your worst it, day or I did something 
fucked up. No, no, no. Your worst like moment of we moved into this apartment. Okay, so here's the one. I'll I'll tell you the one that got me hooked. Okay, and this was like on in the first episode, a woman's on the road for work. And so this group of people from her work are staying in all the same, the same hotel together mm-hmm. and they have to go to work every day. They come back at six and then they go out to dinner together. Fuck that shit. And this one day, <laughs> so this one day, her friend from work has the room across the hall in this hotel. She, they come back at five that a little early. They're going to go down to the pool. It's like their last day. Mm-hmm. She walks into her hotel, her hotel room and she realizes someone's in the bathroom. <laughs> The first thing she assumes is that it's the um, it's the hotel cleaning lady. Yeah. And so she says, oh, hello, is someone here? And then just some lady walks out and she's holding a bag. And then the woman realizes her stuff is all on the bed. There's stuff everywhere. And she's like, wait, who are you? And the woman goes, no, 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 it's fine. I just I'm leaving. Don't worry. It's fine. Oh. She looks over. There's a mini like a like a baseball bat that you would be given at the at the at uh, the ballpark uh-huh. on like a. That night or whatever. Yeah. There's one of those laying on the bed with a flashlight taped to it. What? There's all this weird shit all around. And the lady's walking out with a bag. So she stops her and goes, hold on a second. Are you taking any of my stuff? And she goes, no, no, look, it's all my stuff. Opens the bag. The lady let, like, she looks into the bag. None of her stuff is in there. So she just, she's so weirded out. Yeah. That she lets the lady leave. Her friend across the hall, who had just been walking into her room, kind of hears this and comes out. So she saw the lady leave, too. And then they're both kind of like, what was that? So they go. So her friend comes back into the room with her. They start looking around. Stuff has been moved around. A bunch of her clothes have been stuffed into a bag. Her passport's been stuffed into a bag. There's all kinds of things in flux of like, it looks like she was about to get robbed. Yeah, yeah. And they're looking and then she goes into the bathroom and realizes some of her medicine has been stolen, um, which I I took to mean like Valium and stuff like that. <laughs> I know they're not taking your fucking Wellbutrin or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so she calls down to the front and is like, hey, just so you know, I just caught a lady in my room. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. They call the cops. The cops show up and they take the report there, but they're kind of like, yeah, you probably like they're mm-hmm. kind of giving her the we don't believe you or yeah. like or you did she take anything to someone? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a, give your key to someone? Right, this right, doesn't right. really make sense. Whatever. So the cop, ta- they take the report and they leave. And then her and her friend go into the bathroom to check if there's anything else missing. And then she notices there's a bunch of drywall <gasps> on the bathroom sink. <gasps> So they pull the mirror no, 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 away no. from the <gasps> wall. There's a two foot hole. That lady had been living in the wall. Holy shit. So apparently when they built this hotel, <laughs> I'm just telling you the story that I heard on this podcast, like word for word, but she had basically crawled in there and was living in the walls of this hotel. So she could go into yeah. any room that she c- could get access from that inner walk space. There's like a, w- so when they yeah, looked yeah. into the hole, there was a pillow and, it's crazy. and so they thought the, be- the baseball bat with the flashlight was like her thing in the wall that yeah, she walked she- around with. Did they catch her? Yeah. Don't tell us anymore that. I mean, the thing about that is like, why would you make a mess? You're spoiling your entire like operation. She didn't think the girl was coming back for two hours. Oh, because every she day coming, she came oh. back at seven. There's so a there movie. was like she knew. There's a documentary. Hey Vince, what's that documentary about the hotel, the motel owner? The mo- oh yes, I've seen it where he's peeking down. Yeah, in. what's it called? Uh, the guy, the motel owner who can peek into his rooms. 
Vince has laid all the way out in that he's lazy boy. So he's completely flat. He's like, it looks like a massage <laughs> table. I told him, I asked him to get me something that only he knew where it was. And he goes, why don't you do it? <laughs> Which is, if you know Vince, the least Vince thing that's ever been said. He's never said that to me in my this life. This is the great lazy boy uprising. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, just tell me where it is. And he just like, gave me these elaborate instructions. And I was like, okay. <laughs> what is it? Voyeur. 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 On Netflix is about a, a motel owner who like built his motel so that he could watch people. It's a really fascinating documentary. The thing I just want to say really quick about yeah. Let's Not Meet, there are so many stories where young women say, <sighs> I didn't want to be rude. <sighs> I didn't want to be mean. I didn't da da da. I wasn't sure what to say. And we've gone over this. It's I didn't been believe years. myself. Yes. Kind of thing. And but then most of them, because they, you know, whatever happens, they're like, but I had this feeling. Yeah, I had yeah. this feeling. Or they tell stories of their mom being like, get the fuck away. And that's mm. how they got away from a person. Mm. But it's it's really if you are like a young woman, it's a really good listen of like just things to consider just things to the possibilities of the way people try to get into a building what when they're they start out real nice but if you mm -hmm. contradict them at all their personality changes like those kinds of things that those red flag moments that i found every time i listen of course i was creeped out but i was also like good to know yeah good, well that's good so to consider true that like, when you hear experiences other of other people standing up for themselves you're more likely to do it yourself and that actually could happen to me like when we first started the podcast like when fuck politeness first was a thing we were talking about i like went to, i this isn't a big deal but i like went to a post this gym that was prompt like private gym they were promising they were going to help me with my back but he didn't explain anything correctly like, this is like big guy and he didn't explain really how the back works and how it was going to help me but was really pressuring me to like sign a fucking $500 you know contract when really yep. I he had not convinced me at all but I didn't want to be rude and I had gotten like my ID out and my credit card out and I was about to do it because I didn't want to be rude and then suddenly I was like how am I going to tell the podcast about this <laughs> you know like <laughs> I've been saying fuck yeah. politeness a million times like they're not gonna I have to live up to what I'm saying and I was just like never mind I don't I'll call you bye and like took my shit and left and was yeah it was fine and he was an asshole about it and I was so of course he was. glad I did that yeah but it's hard it's fucking hard so well especially yeah. when someone has kind of lured you with quote-unquote kindness right that's why I think it's so interesting to check that same thing happened to me at a vet where this vet I Frank was like doing these weird yelps and mm -hmm. I thought either he pulled his back, he did something and I was really worried about him. Yeah. So I bring him in and this guy who I'd never, I'd been going to this vet for a while and all of a sudden it was a new guy yeah. and he started immediately started trying to sell me these homeopathic remedies. And at one point, and he kept saying he needs this and he needs that. He needs and it. finally I said, why don't you do the x-ray first? Because we don't even know what he needs. Yeah. And then this guy got so pissed. He was, and then I just was like, they took, they went and took the x-ray. I made sure that Frank's back wasn't broken. Yeah. Nothing was like over. And then I left and I never went back. I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. Like that guy was so aggro Pushy. and weird. Yeah. And the second I asserted myself, he was pissed, like, and didn't think he had to keep it from me that he was pissed. Right. But like, it's like, it's your business. Yes. rude to you about your natural fucking response 
Right, like if you're doing giving the hard sell, yeah. I get to say, hey, stop giving the hard sell. Right. You don't have to scream it. You just get to say it. Hey, I'm not going to buy a bunch of homeopathic shit yeah. when we don't know what's wrong with the dog. Totally. And that was like, oh, well, I guess you like he had all these reactions where I'm like, ooh, you're crazy. Yeah. This is weird. So is Frank and that's, okay now? <laughs> the, oh, that was like three years ago. Ma'am, it's hard, but. It, it's important. It's never going to be totally comfortable if you're not comfortable saying, calling people out. It'll never be comfortable. But I think the well, that's not thing true though. To be like the practice of it makes you comfortable with it, yeah. Because you get to prove to yourself that it's actually your right, and it's not that big of a deal to do it. Like you might, you might have a little bit of a, uh, but it's going to be way more comfortable than people getting to manipulate you take and take money out of your hand for, I, because you're trapped by them. I don't think it'll ever be comfortable for me, but I think what I've learned is that discomfort is okay sometimes. Yes, and And like being in a not happy, everyone's stoked and I didn't upset anyone situation happens and uh, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you've ruined someone's day and it doesn't matter either. It's, it's, no. it's hard for someone who, you know, is like taught to be nice all the time and is scared of not like even having to wear a mask in public is hard for me because I can't smile at people and show that I'm friendly. It's like a dog wagging its tail. You know, it's like it's been really uh, insight, insightful, inciting yeah. to me. Well, because I think having to put that down for a little bit, you get to question what that is actually about. Right. Because right. It's not about everyone's happy. That is not true. Like, just because people are smiling or laughing doesn't mean people are happy at all. Right. It means people are being manipulated into feeling pressured to act that way. Yeah. And I think the feeling of like, what's act, what's the truth of this scenario as opposed to make sure everyone's like showing their teeth. Yeah. Or if you, you, you can control it. every situation as long as they know you're friendly and you're friendly. And so they're not going to do bad things to you and you're friendly and so no one will be mad at you or if you fuck something up it's okay because you're nice and friendly and so they won't hate you and that's right that's about me and my insecurities well uh, and i think it it bites you in the ass later because when it doesn't work out or whatever then you're really mad and then right. you have like a recoil feeling that makes you feel worse yeah you know what i mean you get yourself into this kind of it needs to be this way and it has to do it's like a lot of rules that actually don't apply to anything luckily there's a little something else. i've got a little janet in me where i can turn a smile into an angry <laughs> an angry smile pretty quickly. Do you know what happened to me? I, I had my first experience of asking someone to put their mask on in public. Oh, how'd that go? Which, God damn it, that feels good. Can I tell you who yeah. it was? My <laughs> fucking pharmacist. Oh, wow. All the people who should have a mask on in my mom and pop pharmacy that I go to. Indoors. Indoors, dealing with the medicine of sick people. And he doesn't have a mask on. And That's the, ridiculous. The guy who works at the counter who I've been, you know, he's just he's an employee there. And I've been he's known me forever because I'm highly medicated. So I've dealt with him a lot. You know, he's an older guy. And so he like, you know, seems like you should wear a mask around this older guy to make sure he stays healthy. So I said, like, why doesn't that guy have his mask on? And he goes, well, he's the owner, so I can't really say anything. He said he he says he puts it on when he comes out from behind the farm, the counter. But it's like it's there's an open wind. It doesn't 
it's open. So yes. I, I said, well, I should say something. And and then he goes, do it. He like whispered to me, <laughs> do it. It's like, okay. And that's so not like me, you know, to call people out. And I fucking, hey, sir, why don't you have a mask on? I said it very curiously. And and he got so, I thought we were going to fight. And he got so sheepish. Oh, it's in my pocket. And I was like, well, there's sick people here. And he, and then he like made some excuse about it on the phone, how he, no one can understand him on the phone. It's like bullshit. bullshit. Sorry, Rudy Giuliani. That's not true. That's right. So that is he took it out untrue. of his pocket and put it the fuck on. And I think my Wellbutrin's going to be free from now on from this fucking <laughs> employee. But, but I, like, how many articles have we all read that it's, if you're indoors with no windows or no direct ventilation, you have three minutes mm-hmm. before somebody that has it and could wow. be asymptomatic would be spreading it around. And you could be in a, a place the size that. of Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one person in Walmart that's not wearing a mask that has it, you've got three and a half minutes in that building before you could possibly inhale what they're exhaling. Nobody in Walmart's not wearing a mask, though. Let's. Oh, no. Everyone's, <laughs> oh, they're not mad. They're not fighting with the greeter. Everything's fine. It's just so inconsiderate. Like at the same time, there was a woman there who was clearly ill from something and you're not wearing your mask and you're handling her her fucking meds. It's just unconscionable. Wow. Well, good job. Thank you. I felt really it was fun. It felt good. And it also sounds like you did it right where you didn't. It wasn't you didn't have to scream or point your finger. It was a genuine question. of, yeah. Hey, am I wrong here or shouldn't you, the pharmacist, be wearing a mask? It's that thing of raising your voice so that everyone's going to hear it is so hard to do when you're, you know, not like that. But you're calling attention to yourself, which is. Scary. Do you want to know the trick of that? Yeah. You go. <clears throat> <laughs> Really? That's what I do. You're just like, no, cool. no. <laughs> Karen, I thought you were going to give me some me, fucking... Me, 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 you me, me, Hey, you hey. fucker. Hey, you fuck. Hey, you, you fuck. Put, here's what you do. You put up the uh, Polly Walnuts devil fingers uh-huh. and oh. you point at him with your index and pinky. Pinky and index out. It's like, it's like rock and roll, but to the side. Yeah. To the side. Polly Walnuts. Hey, man. This is... Devil Horns metal concert. This is Polly Walnuts. Great. Don't do the Fine. don't do the wrong one, or they'll think you're a Satanist. If you go down, that's you kind of trying to find water. But <laughs> uh, oh, uh, you got anything else, or should we do Th- those? Were my those were my things. Should we do a little uh, what's going on on the Exactly Right um, Network? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, you guys, we have a network. Hi, <laughs> someone. Um, well. What's exciting is our our new uh, Law and Order SVU recap slash uh, true crime slash interview podcast called That's Messed Up, hosted by um, Kara Clank and Lisa Traeger. Two hilarious yeah. comedians who are so funny, such They're hilarious so good women. That premiered on Tuesday um, and they had the uh, cast member Kate Burton on um, and it's uh, it's such a good podcast they're so funny and great and if you like Law and Order Law and Order SVU whatever you can get on there you'll know exactly what they're talking about yeah. and it's just the best and you don't need to watch the episode to know it's just they're really funny women if you think we're your aunts these are your fucking aunts like these two women they're like you want them at your family parties they're just such incredible funny people so check that out please that's messed up yeah and another new exactly right podcast tenfold more wicked which is killing it and doing so incredible you guys love it and we love that so they're continuing the story of edward roloff um so make sure to check in on that 
Yeah, that's really good. Um, oh, I'm going to skip down because my friend Michelle Buteau was on Bananas oh, this week. God. And she's a hilarious stand-up comic. She's a good friend of mine. She also has a book out. It just came out, I think, um, Tuesday. It's called Survival of the Thickest. She is a hilarious genius, and she's on there with Kurt and Scotty. So that's going to be a very good time. She is a fucking national treasure. She's the greatest. International treasure, really. Um, on Murder Squad, <laughs> Billy and Paul discuss the unsolved murder of 12-year-old Jennifer Odom. She disappeared after getting off the school bus on February 19th, 1993. Her remains were found six days later. The case is unsolved. And of course, Billy and Paul do an incredible job of covering that case. Yeah, that's really, that's good. Um, Millie and Danielle over on I Saw What You Did, the movies they're talking about this week are Fame and Step Up. Come on! <laughs> the prequel to Step Up to the Streets. Um, so <laughs> so go, uh, that that came out on Tuesday, so go listen it. to that. On, so uh, on Stephen Ray Morris and Sarah Iyer's podcast, The Purrcast, talking, talking to cat people because I can't talk to your cat, um, they <laughs> speak with author and editor Stephanie cook so make sure to check out the purcast and of course this week on i said no gifts you'll never believe it but bridger <laughs> has on the great georgia hardstark he disobeys him and brings him a gift yay i think i did good with the gift i think i did really good do you want to give us a hint can or i do tell you, you? Not? do you Boy. know um i got him my th- okay my thing when i buy people gifts is i put in the word in etsy i put in the word vintage and whatever state they're from and find a souvenir like a vintage souvenir from their state that's a great idea isn't it it's a great Take gift giving it. tip it's my favorite and then the other thing i got was um wait sorry so what was what did you find i fa- he's from him. utah i had to ask yeah. jay so i found like a shot glass but then i w- when i was on it I also found so there's this artist named Amber Cher who draws these beautiful state park drawings and then she goes on to uh, Yelp and finds the state parks review and she finds one star (laughs) reviews of state parks and puts a quote from that review beautifully across her drawing of state parks. So I got him one from a Utah state park and it said... It disappointed us <laughs> in beautiful script or something like that. that. Is genius. It was like, it, oh, it, it was a disappointment to us, which I just, I love it. <sighs> so that's uh, well, her name's Amber Share. Amber Share, and the Instagram is called Subpar Parks. And wow. and I think this is just there's there's like beaches that say not worth the hype. <laughs> and there's a mountain that says went on for too long. And then a rocky outpost that says nothing, just rocks. Total, ru- total rubbish. Not very interesting. Quite boring of like these beautiful drawings that she does. Wow. Oh, that's great. Isn't that cool? Amazing. Nobody wow. needs Can- to have seen this lake that she took from a Yelp review of a fucking park so just genius yeah just genius. Uh, but actually i think bridger and i i had a really good time talking to him uh, isn't he the best interviewer of all so time good i felt like i felt like we were best friends even though we've only talked at parties awkwardly like twice he doesn't drink right right so i was oh, i don't oh i don't think so okay well then i was i we spoke with drinks at parties a couple times but i felt <laughs> like we were best friends so it's yeah. he's so good at it you know why he's a great listener that's he i is. think that's what it is at the end of the day that's kind of the key to all hosting but he's a great listener and he's it's like he's meant to be a podcast host. yeah he's just kind of built for it yeah 
Yeah. And especially around that idea, because it's just, totally. it suits him perfectly. It's such yeah. a great idea. And I, yeah, I felt like it's I was great. in the room with him, even though we were on Zoom. It was cool. So Yay. check out I Said I No Gifts it. with moi. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in made in. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit MadeInCookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com. Goodbye. All right. Well, should we move into this special, um, this special, th- this very special episode? Yeah. You want to tell them about it, what we're doing? So we're going to do another Q&A, which we've done a bunch, but you know, how many times can we talk about picking uh, one big horse or 20 little horses or whatever? <laughs> so we decided to guide the Q&A this time and give and offer our unqualified advice on on low stakes problems. That's right. So that's that's how we phrase it, because we know, especially a year like this, there's people who would probably want to bring up really big, very philosophical problems, difficult problems, which we empathize with you. We are there with you. We don't have the no. answers to those problems. Pretend we're your sister's best friends who've had a couple uh, wine coolers. Like, that's the advice we're giving you is like, yes. like you're, you're adamant, strong. You better take our advice, but you don't have to. I mean, you probably shouldn't. And also we're in the Taco Bell drive-thru. So either way, <laughs> we're all going to be happy at the end that's of this. Right. Either way, it'll work out fine. Right. 
Right. It's that vibe I, is what we're giving. I am excited. I feel like we're, I feel like we're going to be good at this. This might be an offshoot podcast that we should have done this whole time. Yeah, that's true. So we, we should definitely start more podcasts. That's what <laughs> that's what I'd like to be doing. <laughs> so we had Jay and our new awesome um, social media manager, Aaron, collect your questions. There were so many good ones that I kept seeing. So they better be in here or Jay and Aaron are fired. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> fire them with me. It's fun. No, nope. nope. and I also say it. that I've known Aaron, our new social media person, since Live Journal days, and we've been friends since then in real life, not just on Live Journal. So it's really exciting. Nice. I'm yeah, old. It's fun. It's very exciting to get to pull our friends into and yeah. it's what we get to do with the podcast and now we get to do it with the people that we work yeah. with too where it's just like oh yeah we're building this company and we definitely know lots of talented people yeah i feel like i've Very always cool. supposed to be closer friends with her at some point in our lives and now this gets to happen so once we get to see each other in person again and not on a zoom meeting we'll be besties so just to, you know i would say just to help that friendship let's cut out the part where you threaten her job <laughs> I would say, you know, but that's me being judgmental. Yeah, but also like if I'm going to be friends with someone, I need to have an upper hand somehow or they're not going to be friends with me because I'm terrible. I hope my therapist is listening to this because I'm terrible and no one wants to be friends with me. Really? So I have to threaten them. I see. You know what I mean? You absolutely always have the upper hand. And then they can never break love, up with me. Friendship. The mailman. Threatening. Keep it. Get that upper hand. Live journal. Whatever oh, it is. That's right. Uh, hopefully we can address a problem like that in these questions. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, let's do it. Go, okay. You go first. All right. I'm going to close my eyes and point. Okay. Okay. This is from Chantal uh, Brian. Brian. Mm-hmm. My live-in boyfriend wants to split the fridge in half like we're roommates. I just need to know I'm validated in thinking this is weird. A thousand percent. How? But Karen, can I... What if he has, um, like, uh, food allergies and food she issues? She would have said it. You're right. She would have said You're it. You're right. That is, but that, I feel like I went on a date with a couple, with a guy a couple times where for me, when I order food, it's like, you get that and I'll get that and we'll have these everything. Like, I love that. I'll never order my own entree. And he was weirded out by it. And, it, but eventually he understood it because he was raised in a house that was like, don't touch my fucking food. So maybe it just takes time. But, but there, it's her live-in boyfriend, which to me, unless she, I think she would have specified if they just moved exactly, in exactly. So to me, it feels like because we've gotten a couple roommate questions, yeah. And so I'll, I will put this out there. I think sometimes you choose people to live with for fun times because you have a great time at a bar or a great that. time somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Living together is a totally different story. And that's when the mask comes down. That's when the truth comes out. Yep. So I I would say yes to split. What's the threat that he is interpreting from combining right. food? Like, is b- does that mean that he's also only buying his own food and you're right. buying your own food? And don't and, and if you eat my food, I'll be mad. Like, don't touch yes. my tapenade because I don't yeah, like when people touch it. It's mine. I think there's... Uh, a discussion to be had yes. around this area. And if you, Chantal, mm-hmm. Brianne, Brianne, the question is, 
ask yourself how you feel about it. Right. Because ultimately, this is the kind of thing that you have to start, you know, in the beginning, in my early days of being in relationships, it would always just be like, what's he doing as opposed to what do I want to be happening? Yeah. And there's a lot of that kind of like, oh, I hope he this, that or whatever, as opposed to me going, yeah, I don't. This is not cool to me. Right. And I'm not going to do this with you. I think this so, thing. I think the thing to think of like is, yeah, is this a pattern that he's starting? Because I think doing something new after having lived together is a sign that something isn't going right for that person. And if you really look at it, that there might be other signs that things aren't right. And that might be a problem with you of not a way you want to live in a relationship and not a way you want to connect with someone. Is he speaking to you through putting a piece of tape down the center of the refrigerator yeah. and basically saying, I need better boundaries or I need you to get out of my shit or whatever it is? Because also I this might point to a discomfort about money mm-hmm. and that money will kill a relationship if you have different attitudes and and approaches toward how money is spent and how people handle money. It's a make or break thing that. You can you can handle for a while, but it, it'll come down to it eventually. So if yeah. he's like, I bought this and I don't want you ruining it or whatever, you just have to figure out what if that matters to you. But another way to think about that, too, is if he has an issue, if that is the case and he has an issue with money, which absolutely could be a thing and he's not talking to you about it and instead putting up these weird arbitrary rules. Do you want to be with someone who won't address a big issue? Right. Yes, for sure. Can't find the words or can't actually have an honest conversation. Also, maybe he was just like, you know, like a superstar frat boy. And he's like, I don't want to let go of these my old days at the blah, 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 Mm -hmm. which is another kind of thing to figure out. You know what I mean? Where it's just like if you're in a relationship and you live together, what are the levels of what are the boundaries? And those things need to be kind of declared. And the reasons why should maybe be out there. You know, because then it might not be that big of a deal. Totally. Okay. But it's weird. Did we? It's weird. I think we covered that. It is weird. Don't need his top. Maybe he's hiding shit in his top and on that he doesn't want you to see. Money. Money. He's hiding $100 bills. Maybe he's hiding your engagement ring and his top and Don't on. touch it Aww. because, but I'm not going to give it to you for eight months. <laughs> what? Don't put it in there. Okay. This one I'm, I picked because we got so many of them mm-hmm. that this is just the easiest way to say it. But this question was asked a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. Okay. And this is from LJ Favorites. Um, it says, is it better to have, quote unquote, closure or just let a relationship slash friendship fade away? Relationships. So, so not lots of people trying to talk about that in different ways, friendship wise or relationship wise. Okay. So like dating wise or I don't think there's a such thing as either of those fading away or closure, but closure makes people go less crazy. And if you really do care about that person or did it one time, the best thing to do is to give them closure. Right. Or to have an honest conversation. Yeah. I, d- I think you're right in saying I, I think closure is a bit of a fantasy. Yes. Because that's like saying and now I say this perfect thing and then the problem is solved and we never have that problem yeah. again. If and I it explain it well enough, out. they'll understand that'll never happen. But if you do it with integrity on, and you know you did your best, then whatever, however they react is is on them and it's their own reaction. It's not about yeah. you anymore. 
And I think going away from the relationship aspect more and going to friendship, which I think is the much stickier area, Mm -hmm. because I think every I'm assuming this person is maybe a little bit on the younger side where it's like is if it's a friendship, it's so much harder when it's a friendship. Yeah, I'm almost not even talking about that because I'm bad at that, too. Well, everyone's uncomfortable about it because there's something. But that's like, say you're friends with someone in college. Now you've moved out and you live in the city. But suddenly the things that used to make sense to you five years ago are no longer okay with you. Mm -hmm. And what it really comes down to is you asserting yourself to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore or I don't like this anymore or this doesn't work for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get so cowed by other people's potential reactions Mm -hmm. that we just swallow our own needs because this person has set it up if you say this to me i'll freak out yeah if you do this to me i will i will go crazy and attack you whatever it is that's just that person basically saying i always get my way so you don't have to live by those rules and you don't have to live any way you don't want to live. I think it's also important because in my mind, it's like, OK, you the thing that the problem is you've seen the way they are and the thoughts they have and the beliefs they have on Facebook. And you don't want to be friends with someone anymore who's a fucking anti-masker or whatever the fuck. And so you just want to uh, you they keep trying to be friends with you. I think in that case, you can fade them out and just not or i don't know well but it's almost like the conditions or the circumstances there could be a million different ones but at the end it's the discomfort of a person who's continually trying to be friends with you and you don't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like sometimes yeah just not answering a text four times in a row Mm -hmm. sends that message yeah and then that's that and if that's the place that you're at or they're at like there's There's not a lot of point in kind of like trying to get blood from a stone, Mm -hmm. picking up, picking up on a message like it might be a good thing to go. How much do I do this where I'm not picking up on the message someone's sending me they don't want? This isn't working anymore, but I'm just trying to nice it out or I'm just trying to like keep it going. If that's what maybe if you if you're feeling like that's what's going on, that's not a really a very healthy friendship anyway. Yeah, that's true. So you, you kind of have to do it where it's like, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's a bummer. Maybe that they're, you're still going to see them or it's going to keep coming up. But there's kind of no point in in, you know, going back over and over to something that that's really not working for you. I think what's an important thing to think about, too, is that you're going to outgrow friendships. That's just how life is. I've seen people who try to hold on so tight to their high school and even elementary school friendships and their friendships in their 20s that were based on going out or, you know, between or jobs, between yeah. boyfriends, jobs. And it's OK. And you're not a bad person for outgrowing those things. And, you know, life is long, hopefully for you. So it might come back around, but you don't you don't need to keep those friendships or relationships to be a good person. And also doesn't it doesn't have to be 
the last chapter. Like you, it doesn't right. have to be like that. I, I think that's the closure problem is you thinking right. I have to go deliver a speech and never speak to this person again. Sometimes people just fade away. They don't like it. You don't like it. But that's kind of that's how life is. And also when you're younger, this was a big realization for me in therapy. When my therapist said, how many close friends do you have? And I said 30. And she went, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. And then we talked about it. And I was like, oh, that's true. They're not actually my friends. Yeah. Do you call them to talk to them about things that bother you? Would they come and pick you up somewhere? Blah, blah, blah. Then stop calling them your close friends because that's not accurate. Right. That's socializing and trying to seem popular. Really, you have about four people in your inner circle. And those people should understand you and love you no matter what the things are that are going on in your life. And if you have people that that get really either judgy or like very reactive to if you're go having a hard time, that's not a good friend. Yeah. Like you have to really start analyzing what you need in friendships and how people support you as a friend and how you they allow you to support them. Yeah. It's a bigger deal. It's not just like who you meet for to go to the party with, you know, definitely. Okay. Uh, all right. Here's my next one. Sarah dot Lovegood says, how do I stop looking up people from my past online? <laughs> I know it's, I know it's detrimental to my mental health, but I can't stop. Love you guys. XXX. X. That's what online was created it for. Is. And that's A. why it's so hard not to do it. Well, and also maybe ask yourself, why is it detrimental? Huh? Right. Because you what, don't want to see you people doing? happy, then that, then that maybe you are not, you don't have any, you didn't get the right closure. Right. Right. Or like, are you living in a weird fantasy world where seeing them is hurting you because they seem like it's a, it's a thing of like, you're buying into social media. Right. So is that maybe is the detrimental part where it's like that they all seem to be at a party or they all seem to be beautiful. And, you know, it's just, fake or is it that uh seeing other people happy makes you feel like it's that you uh that it takes something away from your happiness that that other people can't be fine without you and other people can't move on with you know it it, it impacts you and your happiness when that really doesn't match i i'm really good at not looking up exes and ex-friends and that sort of thing because it's almost like I put them out of my head at that point. It's like they can go on and live their lives and be who they want to be, but it doesn't take away anything from me. It doesn't like, it's not going to well, add anything to my life if they're happier than I am or if they're thriving and I'm not, you know. Right. Well, and, and part of that is because you have a happy relationship. So oftentimes, yeah. I think when people are online trying to dredge up some stuff or whatever it is it's because there's a lack in your own life right. so knowing you're not going to and and that person it sounds like they already know yeah. that that's not that they're not going to get anything from doing it they're just doing it first of all guess what you're in a quarantine <laughs> you can do whatever the fuck you want and the struggle is real with scrolling like you're just going to keep looking for stuff to scroll about Right. And like, so, you know, do a puzzle, start painting to get a different, get a hobby so that you can, you feel, get a hobby where you're starting to learn something. Look, te learn to play the guitar, <laughs> learn a thing where you're, you don't know how to do it now. And in six months, you might actually really know how to do it mm -hmm. so that you are living 
a life where you are benefiting yourself right as opposed to feeling like this outsider that's looking into the bakery window yeah. at everybody else's life start building the life you want it's almost like if you're continuing if you're continuing to work on yourself which is something i always feel like i'm doing then it doesn't matter if someone's doing better than you or worse than you because you're always growing. And so someone beating you at fucking life or having babies or whatever isn't a person who has gotten over you and is better than you. It's just someone who's working on themselves and you could have that well, opportunity also, too. It's not a contest. Right. Like it's sadly, it would be easier if it were a contest because then you could pretend like you were ahead or behind mm-hmm. and have emotions based on those fantasies. Um, none of that's real. The uh, being online isn't real at all. So go on there, have the feeling festival that you want to have. Enjoy it. That's part of what all, it's all for. And then come back out of it and make sure when you come out of it, you, there's you're building a life around you that you actually like just as much. And also you can just block them too. <laughs> or That's very true. Give your best friend your Instagram password or whatever. And when you want to look at it, make let she should have a series of questions to ask you before she gives you the password back. Are you have How you been drinking? You? Yeah. <laughs> it's that How five sad are you? Right. Be honest about the drinking. Send Again, me. I'm going to ask you. <laughs> I have a do a breath analyzer test and send me the results. <laughs> also, here's wait, here's an actual this might help if you're already in it. Look, you've already you're drunk and you're in it and yeah. you're looking at your yeah. ex-boyfriend and he's got three new girlfriends, all incrementally better than you in all these different ways. Check out of that current fake reality that you are actually making up in your head and start. You can get a little pad of paper and write down all your worst memories from that person (gasps) because romanticizing people is a is a one way street that you are doing all by yourself. So you're basically telling yourself a sad story about how sad it is for you on purpose just to pass the time. Nobody. okay, nobody changes significantly unless they have a ton of fucking serious help. So whenever a girlfriend would be like, now he's with so-and-so and everything's going to be great. It's like, well, he's still going to fucking show up 45 minutes late to your date. Like he's her date. He's the same person with someone yep. else. It's He has not changed because that person is so wonderful that they made him want to change or made her want to change. It's the same person you had in a different relationship. That is part of the reason why you broke up or exactly. it's apart. Exactly. And if it's a crush thing, just start. This has helped me a lot. Getting like gener- self-generating a crush online because Ugh. somebody looks a certain way and says a certain thing. Reads the books that you fucking think are cool. That's all fake. So start going. He's rude to waiters. <laughs> um he doesn't like dogs. Like, just start making a list of things you couldn't live with. Right. He, he actually has, he has uh, the kind of breath where, breath where it smells like he doesn't floss. Oh, God. There's like kind of deal breaker things and just go, <laughs> if you're going to picture all the great things that you're totally making up anyway, make up equally bad things. Love it. And counteract your own fantasy. I love it. <laughs> okay, listen to this one. Okay. This is from Spitty Vitty. Great. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it really sounds true. And I really love it. Okay. Hi, I found a bowl in my room in the shape of two hands cupped together, which I have never seen before. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's very, it's very detailed. You can see all the little hand crevices and make out fingerprints. None of my flat 
mates, a.k.a. roommates. Thank you, British person, for your condescending translation. <laughs> we know what a flatmate is. Know where it came from either. How do I find out where the bull came from? It's a fucking Does- witch who has a crush on you. <laughs> Does this mean that I have someone living in my attic trying to leave yes. me some kind of message? My flatmates are convinced I purchased this weird bowl a while ago and just forgot <laughs> about it. But that's just not true. Please help. XOXO. Okay, I've told an embarrassing story. When I was Great. in like junior high and reading like witchy books that I'd steal from the fucking chain bookstores. What was the one? Like, you know, the, the dream dictionary, like tarot-y witch books. And one was like, take a photo. If you want someone to have a crush on you, take a photo of yourself and wrap and wrap it between two mirrors. So I snapped off the mirrors from, um, uh, a car. No. <laughs> what is the, um, what is the makeup? That's from, uh, that they have the museum on in Hollywood. Max Factor. So I snapped off two Max Factor mirrors that I had stolen from Target and I, <laughs> and then you rubber band the whole thing together. And I was like, how do I get to Brett's house to hide? And then you have to hide it in their house and they'll fall in Jesus love with Christ. you. I know, but okay. I never went to their house, but I was like ready to fucking witch this shit up. And that's what sure. that sounds like to me. Yeah. Is there anything in that bowl? Which what are shit. how about getting those fingerprints processed <laughs> well, that's somehow? A great idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. What if he what if I had done it and Brett had found it and was like, why is there a photo of Georgia? And then he calls the police. Yeah. Well, here's a couple of possibilities that I'll throw out okay. there. If you guys had a party recently and you and your flatmates had a party, just a quick one after the pub, mm. maybe some drunk came in and they shoplifted it from somewhere and left it in your house. Maybe yeah. your neighbor, maybe your neighbor. Oh, there's a there's a couple of, of let's not meet stories about people finding stuff in their house and it was people breaking into their house. No. So the fear is real, but it's so specific and ju- in a bowl, an arty bowl. I feel like that- it's like one of your flatmates, girlfriends, like got the wrong room. It was an yep. ashtray. It sounds like an ashtray. It's kind of she's in community college. What do they call community college and? In- Fucking England. They call it uh, at the hedgerow down school in the hedgerow. <laughs> Secondary. Here's what I'm saying. Secondary school. Secondary hedgerow. Here's the thing. Go get a fucking nanny cam. Stick it in yes. a teddy bear. Your flatmates are fucking with you. Yeah. The end. Solved. Solved. Okay. <laughs> I was about to ask this question, and then and then I saw that it's from Stephen Ray Morris. Oh. <laughs> Let's hear it. He's like, I snuck one in. I appreciate that. Uh, who would be better at dodgeball? <laughs> Can I tell you, I used to play like hipster dodgeball. You remember like in the late 2010s, it was like hipstery. Hell, of course you did. Man, I looked yeah. cute, but I was bad at it. But I'm really competitive and get angry. Like I had to take a Xanax before because I would just get so <laughs> hyped up about it. <laughs> I so I you. imagine that you would wear like 80s style, the shorts with the Girl. white band around the bottom and then like um, wristbands, sweatbands. Right, Steven, can, sweatband. can we include this, the photo of me playing do- do- in my dot yeah. in this dodgeball outfit? Knee high socks, vintage. Hold on. Did Adidas. you ask him to put that question there so you could post that picture? Because <laughs> then we have to start talking about your problem with online reality. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Online reality, Georgia of dodgeball era was very depressed and anorexic. So it's uh, not possible. Well, I will give you if you're good at dodgeball. Mm-mm. I'll just say no. I didn't one say can beat me. At- I didn't say I'm good. Oh, I just said I play. Okay, <laughs> sorry. You just <laughs> I just said I play and I look cute. I wasn't good. Oh, okay. 
Well, was that's the is that the question? Who would be between you and I? Who would yeah, be yeah. better? Who would be better? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm just saying. If it was tetherball, I would know the answer. <gasps> tetherball. Tetherball was my passion. Oh my grades God. one through four. It was my passion. Girl. Yeah, you just like hit it. You catch it. There's all those weird rules yeah. of how you could touch it and not touch yeah. it. And, oh, so and the my grammar school, Wilson School, um, <laughs> so competitive. Everybody, everybody was like crazy about mm-hmm. tetherball when I was growing up. Tetherball and handball, the, the this kind of handball though, not like the middle aged. Oh yeah, wall ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How about this from Alana Banana? Okay. What's the best way to remind people your birthday's coming up without appearing self absorbed? Oh my god, tell me, please. I am so bad at birthdays. How do you do it? Oh, you're saying just be direct. No, I need to know. I don't know. Like my friends have all have birthdays. It turns out, but I've never written one of them down, and they'll be like. Hey, it's my birthday. Like, what? How do you? I think you have to say, okay, here's this is this is I think this question is hilarious. I think it's definitely from someone who is 26. Okay. Oh, they care about their birthdays. You mean? Yeah. When you get older, you stop. You really stop caring. And it's not so much like, oh, I fear being older, which I don't. I actually really adore being older. Great. But the idea that it's. Birthdays are just like New Year's. They're just like the prom. You're making up what it needs to be for you to be happy. And it never, ever, it, it can't do it. I completely disagree. Your birthday is for everyone else to feel good about themselves. So uh, unfortunately, right now in quarantine, it's very odd because people, because, uh, you know, when we're not in quarantine, we can say, hey, my birthday is this week, Friday night go to the roost and people want to go out and party. And so having your birthday as an excuse, and then they also don't miss your birthday. Everyone's happy. It's not for you. It's for everyone else. But in quarantine, it's all about you. And I just, I, when I find out that, you know, one of my 10 friends who I give a shit about, like had a birthday and I fucking missed it, then I feel awful. Like I want, we want to give someone attention. Yes. And you should, feel awful if it's one of your 10 good friends right. because you should have written it down by now I, which you and I have done where literally every year I was like is the 13th right the 11th the 9th I know it's yours the 16th, now right I only yeah. oh, you're the only person whose birthday I know like I, Vince says I get wrong when we hired Jay the first thing I did was say <laughs> go around and ask everyone what their birthday is and put it in our calendar but the yes. question, we're not addressing the question and we're just okay. now talking right. about so ourselves so I think the thing is to do is write oh you know what's great right now today text all your friends hey uh, I'm, I've got a new calendar app when's your birthday I'm, I'm putting them all in my calendar app nice right and then they'll say yeah good when's yours yes yep <gasps> and yep. then actually do it and actually like recently I said to my dad uh, he's like, well, let me know if you need any help for the, with the podcast or anything. And I was like, you know, what you can do is tell me when it's my siblings' birthdays or anniversaries. And so now that's his job is to, my brother, my God, every fucking year for the past 15 years, I've got, I've uh, two days later wished him a happy birthday because I just completely mm-hmm. forget. So that's my dad's job now. So I think I just love that you're the thing you said at the beginning was like, it's about everybody else. And then you're just like, and I don't participate in it. <laughs> Look, your birthday is for everybody else. Uh, yeah, that's a. I think that's the perfect solution. Like, don't do it around your birthday. Right. Then that does make you look like needy or whatever you're worried about. Yeah. Do it three, four, six months away. It's the only and make reason. make it seem like you're being considerate. 
to other people. And you got a new app for your... It's the only reason I miss Facebook is that I just keep missing people's birthdays. That's right. If you're on social media in any way, birthdays are pretty shared. I think so. Yeah, but not everyone's on the same app and you don't check it every day. And I, I think I think a text and then it also, yeah, it makes them be like, oh, I should know theirs too. Yeah, I think that's I think that is the perfect plan. I'd also just begin to release the concept mm. of birthdays being the way people show you they love you because that's not it's not that. I like that. It happens much more if you can just open up to other times of the year where people can love you. Where you see a mug in that store in Madison with all the tchotchkes and you say, Karen would love this and you send it to her for that reason. Yep. Not because... For no reason. It's their stupid birthday and fucking time. Right. Time doesn't even exist. There's no fucking <laughs> calendar. That's okay, go ahead. Okay, great. This is from Jamie Lee Inc. Hey there. How did you guys separate your spiritual lives from your parents? i.e. not going to church, temple, expressing <laughs> doubts, etc. That's a great question. When I can, I can be very specific about this. Yeah. When the in the 90s, when the beginning of the spotlight um, Catholic priest Ooh. molestation cases <gasps> began, my mother was like, that's it. I've had it. And was like, I'm not going to church anymore. So then my sister and I jumped bandwagoned on her and we're like, right, us either. And my dad <laughs> it's only was of this. livid. Really? My father was livid. My father still goes to church wow. all, every Sunday. He was raised in an intensely Irish Catholic family. They used to say the rosary every Friday night wow. on their knees in the fucking living room. <gasps> it got said on TV. They did it too. You didn't go out for Friday night until you did that. Like intense Intense, intense. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's a big part of my family. But I think, well, first of all, we were just willing to fight with my dad, which was <laughs> could, was scary and very loud. And you had your mom on your side, which probably helped a lot. It helped immensely. Right. But also it was the kind of thing of ultimately you can't. I mean, <laughs> It doesn't being forced to do something is going to automatically make you not want to do it anymore. So if my dad knew his stuff, he would have been like, great, never come cool. to church again. Yeah. And we would have been like, I miss it. Oh, the incense or whatever, which is <laughs> and what ended up <laughs> I ended up doing when I got into my 30s. And I was like, well, actually, that made me it did make me feel good. Yeah. To have structure and to be thinking about something like once a week instead yeah. of just myself every goddamn day. I night. do. Uh, I think with Judaism, it's a little because we were so lax, it's easier. But I did have a bat mitzvah and I did have a really um, unpleasant experience with Hebrew school. And so then and then, you know, with punk rock and fucking <laughs> sci fi and shit. Uh, yeah, I just went really anti God and that and that in this the structure and, uh, you know, organized religion I rebelled against that. Uh, also, it's spirituality is in you. So they can't really what you believe or don't believe, believe, you know, if you're if what you're saying is I don't go, I won't go to this place anymore. I won't do this thing with you. That's you living your life. There's not mm -hmm. a lot. There's not a lot they can do. Mm -hmm. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know it sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound 
means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Well, this is a good one. Um, Any job interview advice? I'm about to graduate nursing school and I'm a little anxious about some curveballs they might throw my way. If they oh, have, sorry. That's Julian. Sorry. That's Juliana George's. When they say, what are some of your weaknesses? The correct answer is, I don't know. I guess I sometimes I just try too hard to be perfect. <laughs> that's always the answer. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I get too invested in a project and just give it, you know, so much. Att- like they just want you to be. <laughs> they're all saying stupid bold face lies. <laughs> Here's my piece of advice for you is when you go to be interviewed, pretend you already got another job that's better. Because when you're in a job interview, what people are looking for is confidence and experience. And so if you're there, like kind of in that, oh, I hope they pick me mode, which affects you mentally and physically and kind of joie de de vivre style. um, then they'll they'll see you as lesser. If you go in with kind of confidence and like a bit of a spring in your step, like you're I'm the one you should pick and it's up to you whether or not you want this. But but actually, I already have another gig. You're lucky to be meeting me kind of a thing. Yes, that's it's all about confidence and because and we all know this. Once you get the job, it's all about confidence. Mm-hmm. You're trying to tell that person I'm I'm smart. I'm competent. I have I have what it takes to have this job. So you have to believe it and you have to convey it. And so the, you don't, you don't have the choice of being, uh, not being confident because you just won't get the job. If you go in there kind of like hoping with that kind of like, please pick me, that energy never gets picked because you have to think if they're interviewing 10 people, they're going to be looking for the person that kind of comes in and shines. So think of yourself when you're really shiny, what the circumstances are when you feel that way about yourself and then fake it in that way. And also dress up no matter what job you're fucking interviewing for, wear your fucking nicest don't wear a fucking ball gown but like your sunday vest like look like you give a shit what they think about you and so you look like clean cut you've got your shit together you know and you cared about this interview look like you care about the interview if you really want the job yeah you know they're like that nurse is really overdressed (laughs) why is that nurse (laughs) wearing a fucking ball (laughs) gown and glove and like (laughs) finger gloves or whatever in the ER. <laughs> um, okay. This is from H. Heinz. 
a random woman had been giving my cell phone number to companies that spam call me for years. Literally has been happening since I was in high school and I'm 28 now. The only thing I know is that her name is Lindsay. Any advice about how to get it to stop? Change your phone. Change that number. fucking number. It's time. It's high time. I know you think everyone who's ever known you is going to call you and be like, well, this is not her number anymore. I guess I'm never going to hear from her again. Click. It's just change the fucking phone number. Change the number. Also, to that's, the, that's easy. To random women out there, don't give out an actual phone number. Just an actual wrong number. That's an actual number. You're fucking someone over. Yeah, whatever that person's doing and for whatever reason they're doing it, just remove yourself from the situation. It's yeah, not yeah. interesting. It's not there's no like you're not going to get revenge or something. It's just say some no. weirdo being weird. I don't want to give you my number instead of and also say it with me now. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. That's the number you give out. <laughs> right. All the youngsters who've never heard that song never. before are just like, oh, what? wait, is that the it doesn't matter. cleaning company? Write it down. 8675309 with whatever area code. Change that it. number. It's it's time to update. It it's going to be good to shed a bunch of other people that, uh, you know, make them work for it. Yeah. Why not? Oh, here's a good one. This is from Hannah Banana 93. Yay. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> Hannah Banana 93 asks, how do you know what to talk about in therapy every time? Oh. Sometimes no pressing issues come up and others feel too big to start talking about. And then I'm just like cringe face emoji when she asks me what I want to talk about. Oh, God. Last answer. Talk about this. <gasps> this is totally. you talking to your therapist about how hard it is for you to crack open and you're worried about levels, sizes, blah, blah, blah. And what Let I have to provide people. Yes. <gasps> it's not a one way street. It's a two way street. That's such a that is such a great point. I have a big hard time with this. And my main therapist now is catching on to this that like I need you to talk I need you to talk and the reason is because I don't I don't open up to people and I need you to pull it out of me and that might take six fucking months and that's okay as long as they know that also you don't need to go to therapy with a monologue uh, any, no. any good therapist will know that you know this is awkward for you and weird um and like with my mom, my therapy with my mom, I was like talking to my therapist about it. Like, I guess I'll just let her lead and I'll say things when I need to say things. And she was like, that's not your job. Like, you don't have to give it over to the therapist. You just have to be there. It's not your job right. to to know how the therapy session is going to go. And also, this is actually we can widen this out to life. Yeah. Is you don't have to control interactions you don't have to control anything mm. it's all an improvisation mm -hmm. so you can show up and not know and just be quiet you can feel awkwardness and do nothing about it you can sit there and be it, it people aren't going to be like what's her fucking problem right. like n that never happens that's just anxiety in your mind going it's supposed to be this but i'm doing this that's made up it's you so if you go to therapy and you have something that you think is wrong size that you want to talk about you need to start talking about what you're that that's the first step worry of i'm not sure how to do this i need you to help me more well the first the two things i've learned is that the moment the times when i go into therapy 
being like, I have nothing to talk about are the best sessions. Yes. The deepest sessions. Because sometimes it's like, I need to talk about what Vince said to me this week. And it's like, well, then you're only talking about that. But when I have nothing to talk about, then some weird shit that I didn't expect comes up. And that's when you're the most honest and, you know, the most insightful. Yeah. Like, let it surprise you. Because when you have a plan, oftentimes it's like, I'm here to lodge my complaint. Right. And it's like, that's actually kind of not that interesting because you're not talking about yourself. Right. You're trying to get someone on your side. Right. So to get to which you can do. And like, that's valid, too. Yeah. But if you actually want to make a little internal progress that you can feel, you're going to have to barf up some shit. And, and sometimes... Well, I was just going to say, and that's that's a way harder thing to do. You can't just do it on your own. Like, mm-hmm. it can't just be that if you have a therapist that sits there in silence, like an 80s movie of therapy, yeah. it's I would never be able to have a therapist like that. Yeah, I, it wouldn't work as a joke in my family. When we went to family therapy is that when I was a kid was the therapist always says, and how does that make you feel? And it's just like, shitty. Why are you asked? That's like a terrible fucking leading question. Of course, it makes yep. me feel shitty when my brother fucking punches things. Like, what do you expect? But the other thing, too, about that is like opening up like that. It might take a long time and you need to come every session with an issue that you want to discuss. And that's OK. They're finding out about you and your personality. And then suddenly in month five, they they have uh, they have been there for all of those problems you've had. And so you finally trust them and they can ask some question. And also those awkward silences that I've always felt like I needed to fill. And it was my responsibility. And if it's awkward, then it's my fault. And how am I going to fix that? Is that not everyone feels those and silences don't have to be awkward. They could be thoughtful and they could be. Well, and there's more people than you in the mix. Right. So whatever you're feeling doesn't dictate what's happening. It's like, that's just, that's something that you have to deal with. And like, but in a therapy session, if you're starting to feel like there's a way to do it or something, or that there's some kind that you're being judged, maybe Mm -hmm. then you have to talk to your therapist about that. And you have to put it on the table because then whatever information they give you will let you know, should I even be in this, this therapy relationship with you? Are you not the right therapist? Yeah, They might not be. Yeah. But I I feel like more often than not, they're intuitive enough to know what you're doing and what angle you're trying to push and how you're trying to lead it and how how deflective that is about and I'm talking about you person but I'm talking about me how deflective it is to always have an issue to bring and always have a thing you want to talk about and intellectualize your issues they're fucking smarter than that and they know and eventually they're going to figure out a way to break that down and that's when you get into the, the real the real shit And look, it's scary to do that. It's very hard to do that. And to start really getting into real shit is it doesn't happen the first, like George is saying, the first couple months, like you do have to kind of get warmed up and and get to know each other and get into it a little bit so that they can start guiding you through to the places where you really need to go to be talking about yourself. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's we, you know, the first four years of therapy, I had so many complaint lists and things I needed to report on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was right. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. like, my mom was sick. My job sucked. My sister this. My da da da. There was lots of stuff. Eventually, though, you, you start to you start to realize that all of that 
is your way of deflecting and your way of basically pointing the finger at someone else because you feel like if you point the finger at yourself, you're going to die. Right. And you're not. It's, it just takes a long time. It's patterns that they notice. Whenever sh- my therapist is like, well, I remember one time you mentioned this and it's something I said three fucking months ago and it mirrors what I'm saying today. It's just it blows my mind because you don't think they're paying that much attention, but really they're not. It's just who they know who you are at that point. Right. Which is yeah. really comforting. Guys, that's it. That's what we're doing. That was our that's the advice Q&A. Yeah. Did it help? We'll never know. <laughs> All right. Fucking hoorays. My fucking hooray is after four years of trying and one traumatizing loss, I spent today wrapping gifts for my seven month old daughter's first <gasps> Christmas. Yay. Despite COVID, I am so excited about my first holiday season as a mom. And then a little heart. Yay. That's Congratulations. Beautiful. What an amazing um, moment. Such an amazing holiday because of that. I know. There's nothing better than kids in the holidays. It really makes it real. It's so sweet. That's the reason for the season. That's right. And cats. And for cats, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is from Piper Bryn. My fucking hooray is that today I'm celebrating seven years of recovery from my eating disorder. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for your transparency about the topic and other mental health issues on the show. You both serve as a constant inspiration, and I am so thankful for the podcast. Congratulations, Piper. That's huge. Seven Seven years. years. That's huge. That's incredible. It's great. Wow. Okay. This is from uh, the fan cult. It's from Leoni. And it says, my fucking hooray is I'm an indigenous bead artist. And in mid-September, I put a call out on Instagram for people to send me their extra or unused beads so I could put beading kits together for incarcerated indigenous people in Canada. Wow. The response was enormous. And we have received literally hundreds of pounds of beads and beading supplies. (gasps) We're going to be able to supply many correctional facilities with beading supplies and even have enough to offer kits to other organizations that work with indigenous families, uh, people in recovery and at risk youth. To many indigenous people, including myself, beadwork is medicine. I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful to have such amazing Instagram followers who have come together to bring this medicine to indigenous people who need it. Fucking hooray. And then on Instagram, they're at only child handy crafts. So only child and then handy with an eye crafts. That is amazing. Lahani. That's beautiful work and i bet you there's a ton of bernardino crafters beaters who have leftover beads that would love to get in on that action absolutely that's so rad that's great uh okay let's see this one is from bonsair ryan and it says uh um this is also from i believe from the fan cult and it says fun fact at the top i apparently can't spell hooray without spell check (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can get it. Anyhow, after nearly a year of random episodes of excruciating ad- abdominal pain, I told my anxiety around hospitals to take a walk mm. and went to the doctor. So that's big. Mm-hmm. Uh, she sent me out for an ultrasound because she suspected it may be more serious than the ulcers I thought I was mm-hmm. dealing with. 2020 has been a party. Mm. Lo and behold, she was right. I have been developing gallstones and it had been going on for so long that my gallbladder is pretty much just a sack of rocks. (laughs) I had my consult with my surgeon this week and I'll be getting my gallbladder out just before Christmas. What a kind gift body you really shouldn't have. (laughs) Thankfully, it's a super minor 
surgery, so I'll be able to go home a few hours after. Oh, thank God. Yeah. And the recovery time is pretty fast. Anyway, don't ignore your body's signs of distress and fucking hooray for doctors, especially during a pandemic. Wear your goddamn masks. And for the medical advances we've made throughout history that taking out an organ can be considered a minor thing. Love, Ryan. P.S. If you're concerned about having gallstones yourself, talk to a doctor. Google is not an adequate substitution for medical care. Don't make my mistake of trying to self-diagnose and treat. Ugh. That's such an important message because especially right now, like I'm not going to the dentist, which is really hard for me and troubling. And like I could have some mouth cancer. It's so important just to like go (laughs) and get these little things that have been bugging you. Like you you shouldn't be in discomfort and you shouldn't be in pain. It's a sign of things. Yeah. And, you know, like what you just said, when you let things go or you don't address things that you're worried about, your anxiety starts telling you terrible stories. And then you're in a whole other area that you do not need to be in. Georgia, you don't have mouth cancer. You just don't. (laughs) It's not true. It's the thing of like when you've been in pain for three and a half years or dizzy for and you don't know what it is and you're just too scared to go to the doctor and then you go and it takes one fucking appointment with the right person to fix it completely. And then yes. you, you can pay attention to other things. It's like or sometimes just like a good dentist that puts his hand on your arm and says, you don't have g- gum cancer, <laughs> which is what I thought when I finally right. went to the dentist after four years of not going. And I had split gums and all these mm-hmm. things that I was so I was just like, he's going to send me from here straight to Cedars because yeah. this is so bad. And I was telling myself all those kinds of stories. And he was just like. No, none of that is true. Well, you need to go to the hygienist and get your plaque removed. That's all. You had the what was inspiring to me is a mammogram and I'm 40 now and I haven't had one and I'm really scared of it. And you had one and it was scary, but it was now you don't have to worry for the next couple of years about this huge thing. Right. And just like so many things, it was only scary beforehand. Right. When you go to and I'm sure, you know, the place UCLA is the greatest yeah. and the people that work there are amazing and Murderinos work there. Yes. There's all kinds of lovely people all over the place. It is not a scary experience. There are really qualified women's medical, women's nurses, medical techs and doctors who know exactly what they're doing. They guide you so nicely and they know everyone is scared because it's like this possibility (laughs) is so worrisome and they're they're so good at guiding you through it. It's the unknown, I think, in every facet of life that's scary. And, you know, yeah, if you take care of yourself, there's always a way to figure shit out. And just, yeah, and just the story you tell yourself is usually a hundred times worse than the reality. With anything, everything we've answered, every question we've answered today is that the reality is that uh, not knowing and not asking and not finding out is way scarier than knowing because then you have no action steps to take and you don't know how to move forward, which is the most important thing in life, I feel like. Yeah. And also sometimes people don't know it's your birthday and you're fine. (laughs) You're, you're the only shit. one that knows it's your birthday and it'll be fine. fine. You're, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You will be. All right. Well, it will be. <laughs> we did it. Well, look, Listen. it's over and we did it. <laughs> we will do so it again. There. <laughs> it's fucking December. It's the last couple of weeks of 2020. We're all getting Guys, through this together. 
a silver lining is dawning. Good things are happening all over the place. Mm-hmm. I saw on CNN, I saw a clip on Twitter of a thing on CNN, a 90 year old man mm-hmm. in, in England got vaccinated for COVID yes. this morning and they interviewed him. It was one, it, look it up. It's so funny and great. And he's so, he just said, I haven't died so far. I might as well keep, keep living. <laughs> and it was the greatest quote. Yes. Old people. Yeah. I it's love it. like, there's the, here comes the sun, everybody. That's so right. it, now more than ever, stay sexy. And <laughs> don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Elvis, you want a cookie? Good boy. <laughs> <laughs>